proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, I share my visit to the Diamond Sea Horse Farm in Damascus, Pennsylvania, home to Jennifer and Leroy Canfield. On a sunny, dry day in late June, I was gifted the experience of making hay while the sun shines. Yes, indeed, it includes me hopping onto a Massey Ferguson tractor. That and the smell of fresh mown hay felt like farm and country heaven. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country here on Radio Catskill. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News, I'm Barbara Klein. A federal appeals court says the CDC cannot impose its coronavirus restrictions on cruise ships. The ruling sides with Florida and reverses an earlier decision. And NPR's Greg Allen reports it leaves passengers and the industry with uncertain health guidance as cruises get underway. Just a week ago, a three-judge panel of an appeals court vacated a lower court decision that said extensive CDC rules for cruise ships were not binding, but only only recommendations. Late Friday night, without explanation, the three judges reversed that decision. The regulations developed by the CDC after months of discussions allow ships on which 95% of passengers are vaccinated to resume sailing immediately. On cruise ships where that's not possible, they first must conduct test cruises under CDC supervision. There are also rules requiring social distancing and regular testing of passengers and staff. The ruling is a victory for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who said he believes the CDC exceeded its authority in shutting down the cruise industry in the U.S for more than a year. Greg Allen, NPR News, Miami. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio says it's time for more vaccine mandates. NPR's Rosemary Mazderi reports his administration is calling on private companies to take action. With just over half of New Yorkers fully vaccinated, de Blasio is pushing for more to get their first dose. Earlier this week, the mayor gave an ultimatum to the city's health care workers. Get vaccinated or go through weekly testing. Now he is asking employers to include vaccination requirements as part of the return to the office protocol. The mayor is reversing his previous voluntary and incentive-based approach over growing concerns it's not effective. Infection rates in New York City are rising steadily with the spread of the highly contagious Delta variant. Rosemary Mazderi, NPR News, Washington. The Afghan government has imposed a nighttime curfew in most parts of the country following a sweeping offensive by Taliban militants. The BBC's Sekunder Karmani has more from Kabul. Aside from Kabul and two other provinces, no movement will be allowed between 10 p.m. at night and 4 a.m., according to a new directive from Afghanistan's Interior Ministry. The Taliban have been closing in on a number of major cities, though they're yet to ever capture and hold on to one. Afghan forces have struggled in recent weeks to stem the militants' advance, as nearly all remaining international troops are pulled out. There's particular concern about the southern city of Kandahar, whose outskirts have witnessed fierce clashes. The U.S. has launched airstrikes against Taliban positions there, but after a deadline of the 31st of August, 
that direct military support looks set to come to an end. The BBC Segunder Karmani. This is NPR. Support comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections, with showrooms at Lake Wall and Popic, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com. This is Rosie Starr with a special edition of Farm and Country. In our show today, we'll visit the Canfields in Damascus, Pennsylvania. You may have noticed the beautiful horses Jennifer Canfield keeps on the Diamond Seahorse Farm, adjacent to Will-O-Wisp Organic Farm. On a gorgeous weather day in June, I had the opportunity to witness Leroy Canfield in the pasture making hay while the sun was shining. Being the country gentleman that he is, Leroy took the time to talk to me about the aspects of the haying process. We'll hear vocabulary like Massey Ferguson tractor, PTO shafts, disc binders, mowers, windrow, swath, tether knots, hay rakes, balers, throwers, and of course, the crop, Timothy Hay. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of Farm and Country. I'm Leroy Canfield. Leroy Canfield, it's a pleasure to see you again. It's been a few years, but it is a glorious day in June, and you are making hay while the sun shines. I'm trying to make hay while the sun shines, yeah, but I'm having a hard time getting it to dry. Right on the river, we always have dew and stuff coming from the river and covering this area. So it's very hard. I have a limited amount during the day to get this done because the sun comes up over there naturally well half of the field is underneath this shade like nine o'clock yet the sun may be up but it's not doing anything and then the afternoon it goes over those hills so i've got a very short time where i can get this done and i'm very marginal right at the moment Well, I know we've had a lot of rain here, and there are a couple of days right now that it's it's sunny and dry. That's why you're trying to do it now. Yeah. You can't put in wet hay. That's just a wonderful way to burn your barn down. And uh, Why is that? Well, if you put it in damp, and uh, it starts heating, and if you have bales pile on top of bales, and you know, if you'd like, we're talking like 30 to 50 deep and it's wet, well, that's going to start heating. And it only heats to the point of spontaneous combustion, and then you've got big problems. you got a barn that's going to burn down. I don't have that problem. I can only I can only pile my hay about five or six layers deep. So this hay won't spoil that I'm putting in or want to put in, but it's just too heavy right at the moment for my wife, and that's, that's my workforce, me and my wife. You mean Jennifer? That would be her. That would be her, yeah. She keeps the horses and you keep the hay to feed them. I keep the horses fed, at least on the hay department anyway. Yeah, so 
Well, um, would you mind backing up a little bit for people like me and the audience that doesn't really understand too much about hay? Is it a perennial crop? Do you plant the seed? Originally, yeah, yeah, you plant the seed, and if your crop is not what you want it to be, you can always reseed. But I don't really replant much of anything because it's, I use uh, some of the horse manure and some other stuff. And that's all you need is the nutrients, and it'll grow. It's, that's not a problem. Is there a variety in particular that you have here? Most everybody uh, plants timothy. And few people do, do alfalfa, but timothy grows a lot better than alfalfa does. And uh, it's a good it's a good thing for horses and for cattle and you know anything else you want to feed it to. Can you describe how you started this process today? You decided today was a good day to make hay, and tell us the first thing that you did. Well, over there, you can see it's called a hay bind, and that's how you cut the hay right over there. So the very first thing you got to do is cut it. Well, then you got to leave it lay, oh, half a day. Depends on how heavy it is and how light it is and all that type of stuff. And uh, down here, I need three days to get the hay in. Because you cut it one day, and then you tet it two or three, four times. And then when you think it's ready, you can rake it. Right there. And uh, that's what I got done doing around noon or so. And... Uh, it's still not quite dry yet. So you're pointing to three pieces of machinery. Yeah, there's the tether right there. And uh, there's the rake. The baler is quite obvious. You saw that in operation. So... And tell me about this. Te- is it tethering? Can you spell that word? No, it's, it's a tether. T-E-D-D-E-R. And uh, that's what you do. The old horses used to do the same thing. They had like a, a kicker system, and the guy would ride on this tether, and the kickers would, would go up and down like this and, and fluff the hay up in the air. And uh, so if you got a, when you got a tractor, you didn't do that. They came out with these things, you know. And I can, I can tether two rows at the same time, two swaths. When you begin cutting, you cut a swath. And that's, that's what it'll, it'll tell a swath, two of them, at the same time. But when you get into the rake system, you only you usually just tie one swath. Or if it's real light hay, you can just take a rake full. Forget all that other stuff. Just take what the rake can handle and what the baler can handle. Well, I noticed that you were wearing headphones. So while you're on that <laughs> tractor... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't hear anything except noise. And there's so much to do. When I'm on the tractor, i got to keep the tractor lined up with the wind road. These rows, they're called wind rows. And you got to keep your tractor in line with the wind row. you got to keep your baler in line with the wind row. you got to be looking. That's a pickup. That yellow thing, it's got the teeth that go up around. That takes it up into the baler, and then uh, there's teeth. You can't see them. They're down. They're kind of shiny. That takes it back into the chamber, 
and then what they call a wad board goes this way and keeps shoving it like that and there's a mechanism on the side that every time it goes it, it goes up and up and pretty soon it trips and when it trips the knotter system will tie it well then the next bale in line pushes that bale out until it gets to the thrower and then the thrower will put it into the wagon very simple <laughs> it's a great design probably uses a lot of physics and mechanics um, is this the first uh, crop that you've harvested this year yeah yeah yep I harvested what you see here is all green well actually they guaranteed me on the weather I don't like weather people you know three days good weather second day it rained like hell you can't if your hay is ready to go in and it rains that ain't good because it's losing probably at least 50% of what they call the TDN, is the total digestible nutrients. So you're putting in all the same amount of work, and actually more, because you got to tet it and all the stuff again for half of the crop, for half the value of the crop. So that's why. that This went over right there to the organic farm, and they call it mulch hay. And it's not good to feed the animals because it's on its way out, so to speak. And uh, I just took three load over to them this morning. That's why this is all cleared up. So now I'm trying to get this in, and I ain't going to get it in, and maybe hopefully tomorrow, because they say tomorrow afternoon it's going to rain. And here I am interrupting your you workflow. Interrupting the darn stuff is that wet. <laughs> oh, well, I'm I w- over here and feel this stuff. I would. L- I just appreciate so much that I walked out into the field, and you stopped to talk with me. I mean, I'm one of those people that have a romantic vision of hay in the fields. It's an iconic image of the country. Oh, look at this hay! Oh, how beautiful it is. Some people's hair is like this color. Oh my God! And I love the smell. Yeah. Oh, I love the smell of fresh this. cut hay and freshly proud ground. Can't beat the smell. No, that is the smell of the country. Oh, it's beautiful. But you, see, you put your hand in that, mm-hmm. and it's you can wad it up a little, and it doesn't spring right out. And that one didn't actually make a liar out of it. But this has to be pretty close to bone dry. Now, some of the guys that you know, they have the the round balers and all that type of stuff. It doesn't really have to be as dry as this. But when you're compressing it into a bale, uh, it better be dry because it, it, it could mold. This isn't going to mold, but it's just going to put a lot of weight on Jen. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that. Now, the amount of hay that you have here, well, this is the first crop. Mm-hmm. It's enough to feed the horses just for the summer? We don't feed too much hay in the summer because they're more interested in the pasture. When I get up in the morning, I come down, and as far as a bale is concerned, I probably feed them maybe a quarter of a bale for four horses. And they eat it because they've run out of hay during the course of the night. Now, she will feed them at night, and she feeds them, you know, quite a bit more because they're going to get them through the night. But when I come down, they're already done with that. So they will eat a little bit more, but when when they when you turn them out, they want the grass in the pasture. They don't care about this stuff. 
But in the winter, they're happy for it. Oh, God, yes. That's why I'm out here. <laughs> well, they appreciate it. And it's such an idyllic scene here of your tractor. How old is this? Macy Ferguson. <laughs> it's Massey Ferguson. <laughs> You're not the first one that's ever said, man, what's this Macy Ferguson thing? It's a Massey Ferguson. It's, it's a brand of tractor. It's a popular brand. Uh, if you talk to the John Deere people, there's nothing out there except green. And But there are a few like this. There's Case, there's Oliver, there's Massey Ferguson, and there's, there's a big uh, jump in the foreign tractors as well, you know, the Kubotas and all that. Well, and I see the piece of machinery behind you is a New Holland. Mm -hmm. And over there, that piece, is that also a New Holland wave over there? With the tractor? Yeah. New Holland makes tractors, but all I've got is Massey Ferguson and one John Deere backhoe. Okay. Okay, well, I... Now, how adventuresome are you? I know you want me to climb up into that truck, don't you? Okay, I'm willing. It's going to be noisy here. So I'm climbing up in there? Okay. I'll hold, I'll hold on to this. As long as you think it's okay. Uh, I let the clutch out. This machine is going to start. Okay. I'm holding on for dear life in a, in a hay tractor in heaven. You're listening to a special edition of Farming Country, haying with Leroy and Jennifer on the Canfield Farm in Damascus, Pennsylvania. I am so impressed that I was looking in the rearview mirror. It's like it's being the hay is being vacuumed up. Yeah, I was. It's like. Are you watching that? Yes, it's like being vacuumed up and then spit up to the back. Well, some people will say, "Why don't you ever look behind and see what the baler is doing?" Well, I got a mirror right there. Oh, I Actually, I wish I had a mirror from here to here. It's just so wonderful. I'm in hay heaven over here. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. You are something else. How are you? <laughs> I'm in hay heaven. <laughs> Is this the farm and country moment? <laughs> it's the farm and country moment of a lifetime. Oh, you're so cute. You're <laughs> so cute. What a sight I must look like. You look great. <laughs> you look great. You look better than I do. Well, That's I'm not sure. wearing the proper clothes. It was just a magic moment. She didn't dress for the occasion. <laughs> Thank you so much. She's something else, or isn't she? Yeah, she's game. <laughs> yes, that's a good word. Yeah, she's game. She asked me a whole bunch of questions. I said, if you're that interested, you want to go, go around? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. It's And to watch it, to watch it in the rearview mirror as it's being scooped up and then thrown back. This is It's mechanics. It's mechanics, pure mechanics. He knows these machines inside and out, Rosie. Inside yes. and out. Every nut and bolt and fitting and, oh, my God. And you know what to do with the horses. Well, sort of. <laughs> Feeding your horses in the wintertime with yes. this. Yeah. Yeah. The machinery is just as important. You know, these, these tractors look halfway decent, and they are. But this is a 1975. That one is a 1966. 
As long as those machines work halfway decent, I love being out here, but yeah. when I and end up crawling up underneath them and taking bolts and stuff off yeah. that I have no idea. The vocabulary yeah. changes. Oh, <laughs> you know how it is. I gotta get half a dozen bales through the baler, then test it. Yeah. They're heavy. Back off the tensions a little bit. Mm -hmm. Gotta get another halfway. And I'm about ready to test it now. They're, they're gonna be heavy. They might not be so heavy if I'm going to handle them, mm -hmm. but I know you're going to handle them. Uh, heavy just says to me they might be damp. No, that's, but not. Well, even if they were a little damp. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried. I don't want mold. And you don't want your barn burning down. That's, that's what I sure. learned. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. That ain't going to happen. Well, I've heard stories. You heard stories, but you got to pile these things 30, 40, 50 bales high. Mm. When the bottom one starts heating up, you're in big trouble. But when you pile them five high, nothing's going to happen. You, do you think I believe that? I don't believe that. <laughs> well, you still got your barn, don't you? <laughs> I'm just going to test this and see it, it, if it fits your needs. Oh. Here, you're the one that go up there and tell me. All right. We're testing these, right? The ones in the front? Well, the ones on top. The ones in the front, I placed them there. But those that are just went in there, some of them are light. Yeah, some... these are great. If this is an, a sample, this is great. Well, get a couple others because the field changes, you know. The, there's spots in the field that are light. There's spots in the field that are not light. Do you ever run across snakes and mice that are getting ground up in here too? Yeah. Uh, back, yeah. Back when we somebody had to be on the wagon... You would get a bale come out. It wouldn't come out of this because you don't need somebody in a wagon. But before this came along, you just had a chute that came out. And whoever was on the wagon would just grab the bale and place it. And there's been times when, hey, there's a snake in the damn bale. <laughs> you know? But after they go through the go through the baler, they're not too much live anymore. What you have to watch out for is if they end up in the bale and you don't know about it, when they decay they could cause botulism and that's lethal for horses. That's the scientific end. <laughs> My end is there's a snake in the bale and I don't like snakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't mind snakes. Well, look at this. It, this is whoever designed these right. machines. What mm -hmm. brains they have. Yeah. It's well, pure mechanics. It's pure mechanics here. It is. No doubt about it. Just two belts that run in the opposite directions. And it comes up here, and this thing is spring-loaded. So when it gets up in here, it starts biting and biting, and pretty soon it goes up and zing, and it goes in there, you know. And this has a spring system onto it where it'll expand to accept the, the height of the bale. And when it does that, then it really grabs on and goes, you know. Now, there's a lot of moving parts here. If any of these things need replacing now during this pandemic, are you going to be able to replace them? That's a good question. Yeah, I can replace them, but these are all seal bearings. Now, right here, the very first time you fire one of these things up in the spring or in the summer, there's gremlins that in this thing, and they live in this thing all winter. Yeah. When I put it away last fall, I looked it all over and said, okay, everything's cool. Covered it all up. I didn't get 50 feet, and this bearing was shot. 
So I had to go over to Fosterdale and get a new bearing and then put it in and put it on and all that. Oh, wear and tear gremlins, those kind of gremlins. They're kind of gremlins, yeah, the ones you don't know about. But it wasn't wear, worn and torn when he put it away. It just happens over the winter. <laughs> Evidently, I, I just missed it. But here's the most impressive thing. I don't even know if you can see it. This is the Nodder system. And so I don't lie to you. I don't even understand how this thing ties knots, but it does. And it comes up through here. There's a twine box over there. And then it comes out of that twine box and goes in underneath here. And there's a couple of things you gotta thread it through. And then it comes up in here to the, these things are called bill hooks. And uh, sometimes a knot will get caught on the bill hook. And when that happens, it'll break your bail. The bad thing is the fact you don't know it until you've had about three bales go out until this one, which is broke, goes out. So you got a big mess on your hands. Well, it's a good thing the string is a different color than the hay, so you can <laughs> actually see it. Yeah, there's, there's no problem there, but yeah. No, it works real good. And this is this is this gizmo here. See, every time you, this plunger inside here comes back, it'll raise this thing up just a little bit. And it keeps on raising it until this part here, this indentation, it comes up, trips it, the knot or ties the knot, and away we go again. Well, it's based on the principle of sprockets. Yeah. This whole mechanism has a way of turning over. I wish I could see it in slow motion, but I've never seen it because I'm on the tractor seat for one thing. But it turns over and it uh, it ties the it ties the knot. So when it works, it works good, and when it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, the horses are thankful. Thank you so much again. You are welcome. <laughs> I told him, you'll be mad at me for taking your time off. You're making hay while the sun shines, but yeah. he got an extra break. But seeing how everything seems to be working, the only thing it isn't working, I can't get this thrower to throw it to the back of the wagon. Huh. I've been working on it and working on it. Oh. Because you see now... Well, I saw you out there pushing them to the back a few I, a Yeah, I was, I was hefting them. You see that? Do you know what a PTO is? Of course not. Come over here. <laughs> this, this little shaft that comes out of the tractor, PTO stands for power takeoff. And that little shaft that comes out will power this whole rig. A tractor in itself is relatively worthless. It's what the tractor can push, what the tractor can pull, and what the tractor can run. Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing. If you got just a tractor, well, that's nice. That's wonderful. But what are you going to do with it? You're going to push something. You're going to pull something. You're going to run something. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, they didn't have these PTO shafts. Your, your baler actually had an engine on it. It was a nightmare. Old Wisconsin engines. Where do you store all this in the winter? I cover what I can and what I can't doesn't get covered. I wish I had a, you know, 150 foot garage and all, back it all in, you know. But I don't. It hurts it as far as paint is concerned and stuff like that, but all the rest of it, except that bearing, 
gremlin. The gremlin. <laughs> well, I guess Santa Claus, that's what he needs to bring you. Uh, a hoop building yeah. for tractors. Yeah. That's a thought. Yeah, they're nice. Oh, the sunshine is so warm. I hope many sunny days for you. Three days in a row. Thanks. Good things come in threes. Yeah, I found that out with this hay. Bye, Leroy. Thank you, Leroy. Thank you. You are welcome anytime. Would you rather ride, Rosie? In a John Deere? I'd take a ride in a John Deere. <laughs> a gator. I love it. Tractors, mowers, rakes, tedders, balers, and throwers. Leroy Canfield maintains all the equipment purging the gremlins. Jennifer Canfield tends to the horses with loving care and square bales of Timothy hay. For WJFF Radio Catskill, this is producer and volunteer Rosie Starr on the Diamond Sea Farm in Damascus, Pennsylvania. Special thanks goes to our guest, Leroy and Jennifer Canfield, for gifting me precious haymaking time for this locally produced edition of Farm and Country. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions providing tools for action and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org There are things in your life that just don't change, like needing a cup of coffee to start the day, listening to Morning Edition, stopping by the farm stand, listening to Farm and Country, watching out for deer, laughing along with wait wait don't tell me over the river through the woods